And so in John 3, Jesus has said, you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And so essentially what we're seeing here in John 20 is the fulfillment of that promise, being born again. And it's a throwback, actually, really interestingly, to um, Genesis chapter chapter 1 and chapter 2. I think you said chapter 2, verse 7. Well, verse where, 7 is this specific verse where he says he breathed life into their nostrils. And... Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie. He's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And yes, we are doing things a bit different today. That's because Pastor Nick is laid up with a broken leg. And uh, <laughs> so actually we should say broken legs, but yeah. uh, since it is multiple. Uh, but so, yeah, so we, we are doing things, video, Zoom, you know. Uh, but it's all good. It's all good. We get to talk about the Bible and just dive into uh, the Word of God. And uh, so this past week, we were in John chapter 20, uh, verses 19 through 22, and the title of the message was Sent by God. And so if you missed any of that sermon, just head over to whitefieldschurch.com, and you can download it there. And of course, any of your favorite streaming platforms, YouTube, Facebook, we're on all of those. And of course, any, you know, you love podcasts, we are on all of those as well. And our only request is that if you would just interact with the content any way that you can, um, we, you know, of course, like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, just hit that like button. Uh, you know, just comment, say, hey, great job, love that, whatever it might be. You have a question, you disagreed, whatever it might be. Podcasting, you know, rate and review always helps to boost this content in in the algorithm as people are kind of, you know, searching. You know, they like, what does it mean to be sent by God? What does it mean to be commissioned by God, sent on mission, or any of these kind of things? I want to become a missionary. You know, uh, this will pop up on their, on their search engine. We can provide them with gospel-centered, Christ-centered content. And so this week, John, great way to end our Easter series in John chapter 20 verses 19 through 22, kind of specifically spending our time on verses 21 and 22. As as the Father has sent me, even so I send you, just kind of focusing in how was Jesus sent by the Father? Uh, so many verses there in the, in the Gospel of John that speak to the manner in which Jesus was sent. And then even so I'm sending you the great commission given to the disciples. And then he says, um, receive, he says, breathe, he breathed on them and he said, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. And so today in our discussion, we just kind of want to talk about that in specifically the, the idea of what it, what it meant to be receive the Holy Spirit when he breathed on them. And then also, uh, you know, just to begin with, this is not the first time that, um, well, this this was the first time, but it would not be the only time. This would be a, a continue, uh, uh, you know, an important narrative that Jesus would have with his disciples throughout the next 40 days before he ascends. And that is the commissioning, the, the calling them to go out into all the world. And so we wanted to discuss that first. And, uh, you know, so, you know, to that question, you know, um, Jesus doesn't only speak about this commissioning once, right? 
That's right. And so uh, you can notice this by looking at each of the four Gospels, and you'll notice that the commissioning takes place, uh, at least in some of the Gospels, in a different place. Now, this is important because uh, I guess we could start here. In Matthew's Gospel, if you remember the angel who meets the women on the on the day of Jesus' resurrection, tells them to tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. Now, we also know from the other Gospels that Jesus met them that same day and went to the place that they were staying that evening. And that's where um, he met with them um, to, you know, he showed them his wounds. And he passed through the door that was closed. He ate fish with them, right? He was, he was uh, eating. He was tangible. They let him, uh, he let them touch him and things like that. So we know that he met them that night. Um, and on the road to Emmaus, so during that day. So there were several times when he met them prior to the meeting in Galilee that Mark, uh, Matthew's gospel references. Um, and, for example, in John's gospel, that's, it's that evening of Resurrection Sunday when Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and says, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. But if you go over to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, we read about how Jesus met with his disciples on a mountain in Galilee. And so at some point, clearly, the disciples had traveled up to Galilee and um, Jesus met with them there. And it says this very, very interesting passage there at the end of Matthew 28, where first of all, it says that the disciples, they were on this mountain in Galilee and they were worshiping Jesus. They worshiped him. Now that's important for a couple of reasons. One being that throughout the Bible, there are some times when we see people worshiping things that are beings that are not God. For example, angels, sometimes because of their glory, uh, people will worship them. And the angels always step up and say, hey, hey, you can't worship me. I'm not God. Only worship God. And in the cases of people who do accept worship as God, like, for example, uh, Herod, we read about in Acts chapter 12, receives worship as God, and he's, he's actually struck down by God as a result of it. And, so, and yet here we have Jesus receiving worship and the disciples worshiping Jesus. That tells us, first of all, very importantly, that the disciples understood that Jesus was God and that Jesus declared that he was God and received worship as God. Secondly, the next important thing to see is, is there is it says that they worshiped him, but some doubted, which is just a fascinating phrase, right? Because it means, well, first of all, it means that it is possible to worship God while you still struggle with doubts. But it also means, look, at these disciples are looking at Jesus himself, the risen Jesus, and they are seeing him um, and and touching him and still wondering, like, how is this even possible? Like, what is going on? And, and so we see an important aspect of faith there. But then it says that right after that, it says that Jesus said to his disciples, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By the way, that Trinitarian formula, mm -hmm. really important here in, in Matthew 28, uh, recognizing that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God. So we're to use that Trinitarian formula in baptizing, Jesus says. And he says then, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. And that's how Matthew's gospel ends. It doesn't talk about Jesus' ascension because we know that Jesus' ascension took place not in Galilee, but on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Mm 
So, yeah, how, how does this all add up? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, and we already know the timeline, right? Jesus resurrected right after Passover, and he ascended into heaven 10 days before Pentecost. So it's really easy math. That's 40 days, 40 days that Jesus walked the earth. And we know Paul tells us that there were times when he was um, seen by many people. It wasn't done in secret. It wasn't done in a corner. It was right out in the open for anybody to see who was who was there and who was uh, looking. And so we know that Jesus appeared to people many times. Um, Paul gives us a short list of those in 1 Corinthians 15, but we also have our list from the Gospels. And so um, we see, like in Luke chapter 24, Jesus speaks to his disciples in Jerusalem right before his ascension into heaven. And there in, in that place, when it says that um, Jesus did that, he tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, to stay in the city of Jerusalem until they are clothed with power from on high. He says, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you. Now, what is that promise of the Father? Well, it's something we read about throughout the Gospels, particularly, though, in the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's uh, chapter 11, and in John chapters 14 and 16, where Jesus talks about, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you the helper, the promised Holy Spirit. And he tells them what the helper will do when he comes. But that's what Jesus is referring to, stay in Jerusalem. Then we go over to the book of Acts, which is the continuation mm -hmm. of Luke, but it a little bit overlaps with Luke because Luke ends with the ascension of Jesus, but Acts begins right before the ascension of Jesus on the day of the ascension. And on that day, we read that Jesus told the disciples, he told them, um, you're going to stay in Jerusalem and wait for this promise. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my disciples or you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so then we see on the book, on, on Pentecost, we see the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit. So, so that's that. I mean, that's a good thought to think about, you know, that this is an ongoing narrative that, yeah. you know, Jesus doesn't only speak, you know, the commission one time here on the, on the you know, the evening of the day that he was resurrected. I think that's important to know. This wasn't like just, okay, Jesus is like, yeah, well, guys go out into the, you know, and it says it once and they have to, you know, remember it. This was an ongoing, this was a kind of a turning point. You know, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you, you know, he, Jesus had given them, you know, three years of examples of what it me meant to live out the Great Commission. And now he was sending. And that was kind of what his talking point was, if you were, you know, his bullet points with them for the next uh, 40 days was, hey, this is what I'm this is what it's all about, guys, is that I'm now sending you out into the world. But but just to go back to to, you know, uh, you know, the the breathing on with the Holy Spirit and then the waiting. So so how do we harmonize those, those two? So we have John chapter uh, 20 where he says he he breathes on them and then and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then in, in Luke, he says, but hey, wait, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, uh, you know, and you need to wait, wait on that. And so how do we harmonize those two relationships? Yeah, and that's a great question, and it's one that a lot of people have been confused about, but there's a really simple answer, 
And that answer gets to the differences in relationships, several different relationships that exist between different people and the Holy Spirit. We did a series on the Holy Spirit a couple of years ago called The Spirit-Filled Life, in which we talked about this. And I think it's really key to understanding how Luke's gospel and Acts talk about the Holy Spirit, how John's gospel and then the, the epistles, especially Paul's epistles, talk about the Holy Spirit. Because, yeah, it just otherwise it can be really confusing unless you understand this framework, that there are three different relationships that different kinds of people have with the Holy Spirit, depending on their relationship with God. So the first of those is that the Holy Spirit is with all people in the sense that the Holy Spirit is with all people, bringing about conviction of sin and need for a savior. So we read about this in John 14. John says to his disciples, the promised Holy Spirit, and he says, and you know him because he has been with you and soon he will also be in you, which tells us that up until that point, the Holy Spirit had not been in them, but that the Holy Spirit was going to be in them, but the Holy Spirit had been with them. So what does the Holy Spirit do with you? Then he says in John 16, this is the work of the Spirit to bring about conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Basically, to bring about conviction in our hearts that we are sinners, that God is righteous, and that because of that, there is coming a judgment, and therefore we need a Savior. So the Holy Spirit is working with people to bring us to conviction. Okay, that's the first one. That's everybody. The second relationship with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is in you. That's what John said. That's what Jesus said in John 14. The Holy Spirit will be in you. Now, what does that mean, that the Holy Spirit will be in you? Well, what it means is that the, the Holy Spirit will be in you in the sense of um, causing you to be born again as a new creation. We read about this in like Paul's epistles, like Ephesians chapter one, you receive the Holy Spirit as a seal when you believed. And the seal, he talks about in first Corinthians chapter three, you receive the Holy Spirit as a seal uh, of the fact that God will indeed, basically you belong to God and he will see you through. He will complete the good work he began in you. And so in John three, Jesus has said, you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And so essentially what we're seeing here in John 20 is the fulfillment of that promise, being born again. And it's a throwback, actually, really interestingly, to um, Genesis chapter chapter 1 and chapter 2. I think you said chapter 2, verse 7. Well, verse where, 7 is this specific verse where he says he breathed life into their nostrils. Yeah. So in that place, right? It says that God breathed in them. Here we see them being born again to new life. This is becoming a new creation in Christ. They're receiving the Holy Spirit, indwelling them. It's at this point that the disciples are saved. And, and that's really important, right? Because they couldn't be saved until Jesus had died for their sins and resurrected for their eternal life. And, and so here we see the disciples. That's essentially what we're seeing in John 20. They're receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. This is their salvation. So people ask the question, when were the disciples saved? Right here, John 20, the night of of Jesus' resurrection. Now, then it's really interesting then it would say, essentially Jesus has done this and then he comes back later and says, now I want you to stay in Jerusalem and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. So clearly this is a different different relationship with the Holy Spirit, different experience of the Holy Spirit than what we see in John chapter 20. 
Um, so what is this? Well, the, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now that phrase, the Spirit upon someone, is a really important phrase from the Old Testament. It's used a lot of the prophets. It's used of um, the judges, right? That God's Spirit would come upon them to empower them to carry out a calling that he had given them, whether it's to save Israel from the Midianites or to save Israel from uh, another group of people, right? The Philistines. And so... Um, essentially that's what we're seeing in the book of Acts is that they've received the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They have the Spirit indwelling them. But now it's a matter of the Spirit coming upon them to empower them to carry out this mission, this ministry that God has given them, that Jesus has given them to be his witnesses in all the world. So I think it's a really important distinction there. And, and this is important that we see it in the Old Testament, that the Old Testament saints did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them and we see that alluded to in Jeremiah, where he, Jeremiah talks about the new covenant. He says, under the new covenant, God will place his spirit inside of you, right? Until then, the spirit sometimes came upon people to anoint them and empower them for a mission. But now the spirit of God would be within people. And so we see the fulfillment of that taking place, Jesus, you know, promising it, and then it being fulfilled in John 20, verse 21, and then that next experience of the Spirit that they're to wait for has to do not with salvation uh, and with the indwelling of the Spirit. It has to do rather with empowerment for mission and service. Yeah, no, that's a, that's it's an important insight because I think people get com- kind of confused with that when they're trying to put the timeline together, you know, and kind of understanding, you know, what 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 Jesus was doing here in John chapter twenty, but then kind of the disconnect with what was what actually happened there in 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 the book of acts and so yeah no there has certainly been some confusion over that and that was you know it's important to understand the relationship and maybe we'll link down below that you know that series we did in in on on the work of the holy spirit what did you what was the name of the series again Equipped to serve. Life. Oh, sorry. I'm the Spirit-Filled Life. I thought you were talking about the, the, the series we're getting back into. It's called The Spirit-Filled Life. You can find it on all of our websites, right, right, yeah. podcasts. So, but, but you know, and, and important to the, to the, to being, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, one, one other aspect, kind of a bonus thought as we go here today is just John chapter 15, the idea of, um, how important it is to abide in the Lord. You know, it's such a, it's almost kind of a, seems to be somewhat of a paradox where we have this idea of abide and go. So God is sending us out on mission, but he's telling us in order to be successful in that mission, to be, you know, to be doing the things that he's called us to do, we need to abide. We need to be connected to the vine. And, and, you know, John chapter 15, just, you know, just something we were not able to get to on Sunday morning. But what, what, a, what a, an essential part of the mission of God is to go, to go and bear, to go and bear much fruit is to be connected to, to the vine. I don't know if you had any closing thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of like, if you think about how electricity works, right, you got to stay connected to um, the source of the power. Uh, power for mission, of course, but if we just even talk about the source of life, right? Like, w- what is the point of carrying out the mission if you're not abiding in the Lord? And uh, I think that just speaks of the the importance of, like, God wants us first to abide in Him, to be connected to Him, not just to do stuff for Him. But in order to do anything for Him, it begins with abiding in Him. And then 
we can talk about, you know, that is also, you know, imperative if we're going to serve him. Yeah. And that's in this, you know, that's the first place to look if we are feeling powerless or kind of like feel like we're out on our own or anything like that. We can always step back and say, are we actually connected to the source of, of what this is all about? Because as you said, being out on mission without being connected to the vine is basically, you know, it's kind of a waste of time and it can be destructive, you know, not only mm. to yourself, but to those, those around you. And so, but it is a kind of a paradox and like to either to, to go, to go and bear fruit, we need to be, <laughs> we need to be connected to the vine. And so this, it's just a great way to end our series, our Easter series. What a, what a great time as we just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord. And, and, uh, but we're now headed back into our, uh, series that we had before equipped to serve. And we're going to be starting, uh, second Timothy. And, uh, we'd definitely love you to, to be involved in that as well. And we're going to be starting that on Sunday. If you're online, 9, 15, 11, and, or just come join us in person if you are in the Longmont area. We'd love to see you. But all things Whitefields, whitefieldschurch.com. Get over there, download it, and we look forward to seeing you again. God bless. <laughs>